from now until the next ten years, really looking, really looking ahead, and where is it that God would have us to be? And this morning, what I want to do is I want to give you about a thirty thousand foot level at what that's going to look like over the next several years. But I want to start out by by reading one of my favorite passages of Scripture, and that's out of John chapter 6. So if you would stand with me as we read together God's Word this morning. In John chapter 6, verses 1 to 13, Sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far, sea, to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, that is the Sea of Tiberias. And a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the miraculous signs he had performed on the sick. Then Jesus went up on a mountainside and sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover feast was near. When, the crowd, when Jesus looked up and saw the crowds coming toward him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered him, Eight months' wages wouldn't be enough for each one to have a bite. Another disciple, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will they go among so many? Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place, and the men sat down, about 5,000 of them. Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. And when they had all had enough to eat, He said to the disciples, gather up the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. This is God's word for us. You may be seated. You know, it's it's interesting. When it starts out there in in John chapter 6, it says, sometime after this. You always want to look in context. Where is Jesus at this point in his ministry? And John chapter chapter 6 verse 1 is a pivotal moment in Jesus' life. And whenever you want to see where is Jesus in the three years of his ministry, who do we follow? I've been saying this for about six months now that I've been here. When you want to see where Jesus is in his ministry, whose life do you follow? You follow the life of John the Baptist. When John the Baptist is ministering by the Jordan River, that's Jesus' year of preparation. When John the Baptist is put in prison, that's the start of Jesus' year of popularity. When John the Baptist is beheaded, that's the year of Jesus' year of passion, or the year that he's looking forward to going to the cross. That's what it's referring to when it says, sometime after this. John the Baptist has just been beheaded. And Jesus is entering into that season of ministry where he has been extremely popular. And now that's going to wane. And this is the very start of this as well. Jesus has sent out his disciples. Remember, he sent them out two by two. And they've come back and they've shared with him all of the things that that has been going on. Things just blew their mind. And Jesus says to them, he says, the apostle in Mark chapter 6, verse 30 and 31, the apostles gathered around and reported him all that they had done and taught. And Jesus, then in verse 31, Then because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. It is not wrong to take a day off. It is not wrong to take a holiday. Even Jesus saw the need here with his disciples, and he says, Come away with me to a quiet place and get some rest. But even when they went away to the quiet place, the crowds followed him and the compassion of Christ upon them. And Jesus taught them, and he healed them. And then he asks them in Luke chapter 9, verse 13, he, he sees the people, and one of the disciples comes up to him and says, Lord, send the crowds away. It's late in the afternoon. They need to go and get something to eat. And Jesus says, 
They don't need to get something to eat. You give them something to eat. You give them something to eat. And, when, and at first blush, you know, when you think about it, that was an amazing thing that Jesus said to his, excuse me, to his disciples. That you give them something to eat. I mean, look at it. There are 5,000 men. There were probably around 20,000 people there. And Jesus asked them, where are we going to, where should we buy bread for these people? And he asked us of Philip, and I wonder why Philip. I wonder what it was in Philip's life that Philip needed to know about Christ that he asked him that question. Where are we going to buy bread for all these people? And Philip does what I think every single one of us would do. He takes stock of his inventory. Lord, eight months' wages wouldn't be enough to buy even a morsel for all of these people. And I love what it says there because I skipped a verse. That's one of my favorite verses in Scripture. He only said this to test them because he already had in mind what it was that he was going to do. See, here's one of the things with vision. Whenever God shows us what it is that he is up to, that is always, it is always an invitation for us to join him in what he's doing. So when somebody starts talking to you about Christ, we know when somebody starts asking about where do you go to church, where, what do you, about prayer, about your relationship with Christ, do you read the Bible? Your antenna should go up at that point because we know that no one, no one seeks after God on their own, but God is the one who is drawing men's hearts. So when people start asking those questions, that's God showing you what it is that he's doing in that person's life, and he's inviting you to join him in what he's doing in that life. That's where it calls for courage and for faith. And here when he says, where are we going to buy bread for all these people? Philip answers like a lot of us would answer. He takes stock of his inventory. Boy, we, we, just, we just don't have enough. Be careful, that's one of the dangers. When we're looking at vision, one of the dangers is to look at what we have and what we can do. Listen, God never once intended for us to do anything in our own power, in our own strength. I heard, I've heard so many times people make this comment, God will never give you more than what you can handle. That is an absolute fallacy. When God called Moses to go into Egypt, did Moses have what he needed to go into Egypt? Absolutely not. When God called Joshua to go into the land and bring the people into the promised land, did Joshua have on his own what he needed? Absolutely not. Whenever God shows us what it is that he's doing, it's an invitation for us to join him in what he's doing. But he never once expects us to do it in our own strength and in our own power. We must be asking this question. What is it that God is calling us to do that unless he shows up, it's absolutely going to fall flat on its face? Because God doesn't show us the plan. We always say, well, what God, well, what, what's the plan? God doesn't show us the plan because we will want to know, okay, that's the plan and we'll run with the plan. God never shows us the plan. God shows us himself so that we will trust in him and not in the plan. And here God is saying, Jesus is saying to them, where are we going to buy bread? He says, you don't, need, you don't need to buy bread. Or he says, you don't need to send them away. You give them something to eat. He only said this to test them because he already had in mind what it was that he was going to do. One of the dangers we have is that we take stock of what we have. Or we look and we say, this is, this is all we have, but God, what can you do with this? The little boy's lunch. Now, I love it that this is being spoken to an Asian audience. In America, we don't understand this, uh, and, and, but maybe, maybe a little bit. But when you go out, I remember when the kids would, when we would go out with the kids, Becca always brought healthy snacks. 
No, you know, no, no potato chips. She'd bring the celery stick, the carrot sticks, you know, that kind of stuff. And the kids are like, oh, where's, where's the, you know, where's something good to eat? You guys know as well as I do when you have little kids and you're taking them out, you don't go out empty-handed, do you? You bring something along for the kids, something to keep them quiet. You bring something along. And when, they, when Jesus says, how many loaves do you have? Go out and see. Only one little boy, Andrew, comes up and he says, well, here's a little boy's lunch. In America, we have a product. It's called Lunchables. I don't know if they sell them in Hong Kong or not. They're about this big, and they're made for little kids. They have these teeny little crackers in there, and they have teeny little pieces of lunch meat and maybe a couple pieces of cheese in there. And you give that to your kid, and it's it's supposed to be their lunch for their school. I don't know about you. Our kids would never have done well with those things. We never bought those. But this is basically what Jesus has given here. Andrew comes up, and he says, Lord, here's what we have. The second danger that we have when we look at vision is to say, this is what we have, but God, what can you do with this? Oh my! Oh my! When, when we put things into God's hands, what can he do? We have proof. Out in Fanling, there, is a, there was a former orphanage out there that's now a camp that was bought with one dollar. You can listen to John Bechtel's John Bechtel's uh, testimony about that one dollar. A little girl gave one dollar, her ice cream money, to the Lord. And then they took that and they bought that camp in Fanling. And people have come to Christ. One dollar. What could God do with one dollar? This is five loaves and two fish. And Andrew says, well, what can we do with so little? Beware of not only taking stock in what you have, but beware of also devaluing what it is that you have. When you put it into God's omnipotent hands, into his all-powerful hands, what can God do with it? More than what we could ever ask or imagine. God has said, no eye is seen, no ear is heard, no mind is conceived, what God has prepared for those who love him. God is still on the throne, and God is the one who spoke this world into existence out of nothing. Anything that you can think of is something. And he spoke it out of nothing, out of sheer will. He spoke this world into creation. What can God do when we lay our lives, when we lay the things of our lives into his hands? One boy, one boy gave his lunch. There had to have been more. There had to have been parents who probably also had a little something else. But it was only one boy who gave and one of the other dangers that we have when, we, when we're looking at vision is to say, is to kind of hold back and say, well, I'll, I'll kind of watch from the sideline and I'm going to kind of hold back on this until I see exactly what happens. No, no, no. That isn't how it works. God says in Hebrews chapter 11, he says that without faith, it is impossible to please God. And those who come to him must believe that he exists <clears throat> and that he... <clears throat> and I didn't have milk today, so that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Vision takes faith. And when we laid out the vision last a couple weeks ago, there are some issues on there that are going to take faith on our part as a church. There are also things where, as a church, we're going to have to get, gather together and trust God and give of what we have, not only of our financial resources, but of ourselves physically to what it is that God is doing here. Now I want to I switch gears, and I want to go over to the vision. And this was interesting to me. Um, it kind of looks like the, the Simon. You know, remember the game, the Simon game that, that you play with all the different? But 
This is our mission statement. And it says, We are disciples who through the power of the Holy Spirit glorify God by loving Christ, loving one another, and reaching the world. That's our mission statement. One of the key elements in that mission statement is what? By the power of the Holy Spirit. What can we do apart from the Holy Spirit? A lot. But it will have no lasting eternal value. Let me say that one more time and just a little bit slower. What can we do without the Holy Spirit? A lot. But it will have no lasting eternal value. Jesus said in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, You will receive what? You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. He said, the power rests with him. But we must be surrendered. AIC, we must be surrendered to the Holy Spirit. A daily thing of we're going before the Lord. He says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. In order for us to do what it is that God is calling us to do, we must be working in and through the power of the Holy Spirit. Why? Because if you're not working in in and through the power of the Holy Spirit, after a while it just becomes like, oh, i got to do this again. We're reaching that time of the year where Awana is winding down. When we did Awana in the States, it was like, oh, April, May is almost here. We're almost done with Awana. And you can get that way in ministry when you're doing it in your own strength and in your own power. And it becomes a drudgery rather than a joy. I missed you guys last week because I love to preach and I love to be in a place where, where I can just share God's word. And when I'm not doing that, I know I, I needed a rest last week, but I still missed it. I, I love being able to preach God's word in such a way that we get it. And as we gather together, we have to be doing this in and through the power of the Holy Spirit. And we exist to glorify God by loving Christ loving one another, and reaching the world. This is our mission statement. Now we break it down into our vision statement. Four words. We gather, we grow, we give, and we go. Let's look at that first one, to gather. We gather together on Sunday mornings. And for a lot of us, this is where we're at. We, we come to church on Sunday morning. We gather on Sunday morning, and we gather for God's glory. When we gather, one of the things that we do is we, we worship God. I was listening to a, a, a Pastor Stan and I were listening to something this week from um, Max Lucado where he was talking about that worship is warfare because the last thing in the world that the enemy wants us to be doing is to be praising and singing God's glory. Can I encourage you as some as your pastor? Now I'm going to really step out on a out on a limb and very a very cultural limb too. Can I encourage you to be here? When, when church starts at 10.45. Now, I know for some of you, it's like, oh boy, you know, he's, he's looking at me. I'm not looking at anybody here. I mean, okay, pastor, you got to be here early. Yeah. But what's stopping the rest of us? Because what are the things that we do early on? We're worshiping God. And worship is warfare. Worship is not the, the warm-up for the, for the message. Worship is, is warfare, and we need to be part of doing that and being part of worship. And worship is such a key element. We have lost over the last, the last year some very key people in our, who led the worship. And one of the things that in the next six months to a year, one of the things that we're going to be doing as a church of the, that the, um, the under-shepherds have been talking about, that one of our goals in the next six months to a year is that we're looking to hire a part-time worship leader, looking to move 
hopefully over the next, within two years, that that person would be in a full-time position. That's one of our goals. Because worship is so key and so critical here that we want to make sure that we have somebody who can help us out in that area. Another thing, oh boy, this is like a major issue for me. Last Sunday, I missed you guys terribly. So we're in Chiang Mai, Thailand, having an amazing time. And I, I, I texted a guy before I went there, a friend who lives in Chiang Mai. I said, hey, can you recommend a church for us to go to uh, on Sunday morning? Gave us the name of the church. We talked to the people at the front desk. They arranged for us a taxi, took us out there to the church. We walked in the church. There was a lady at the door who said good morning to us. That was the last thing that was said to us the whole day, the whole time that we were there. One of the things we need to be remembering in church, AIC, it is feeling before function. They had everything. You talk about a facility that just blew my mind. They had this amazing facility, huge gym, huge classrooms. I mean, amazing uh, sanctuary. There were about 300 people in there, families with kids. It was just kids all the way down the line. And I'm looking at the church, and Becca and I walked into this church, and this lady greeted us, and we're kind of looking around. Okay, so where is the sanctuary? And we kind of look in this building. Well, no, no, that's, that's not the room there. So where? And finally we stumbled around and thought, well, we can hear some singing, so it must be upstairs. So we made our way upstairs, walked upstairs, sat down in a, a roll by the aisle. People walked by us, and as they walked by us, they put their head down. It's like, I put deodorant on here this morning. What, what's going on here? And then they just walked by. They had that service down to a T. Function-wise, they were down to a T. I mean, they had amazing, uh, amazing worship. They went everything from southern gospel to really strong contemporary music. They, the pastor did a good job. They had, they had everything there. But it was function ahead of feeling. We can be doing things really good here at the church. We can have really good worship. We can have really good uh, whatever's going on here. But if there isn't the feeling before the function, people will walk out of here and say, that wasn't a very friendly place at all. A while back, I heard of somebody who has been here for a year, and nobody visited with that person. That is unacceptable. That is absolutely unacceptable for AIC. As your pastor, I want to set the example. And that's why you'll see me in the back of the, back of the room. They're trying to greet as many people. You say, well, you're an extrovert, pastor. No, I'm not. I am an introvert. I love to be just by myself. I love on my day off. Becca will say, well, where are we going today? We're not going bungee jumping. We're not doing this. I'd rather just stay home and just read a book. I am an introvert by nature. It takes a lot. And but one of the things that God calls us to, his last commandments before he was crucified was what? Love one another. A new commandment I give you. Love one another. For why? For in this all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. I wrote that pastor a letter. On Tuesday morning, I wrote the pastor a letter. I said, I visited your church, and we didn't have one person greet us through the whole time. Nobody. Becca stood outside of the bathroom while I was in the bathroom. Five minutes, she stood there. I mean, she's pretty. People like to talk to her. People put up with me because of her. Nobody talked to her. And when we left, the feeling was like, I don't think I ever want to come back to this church. And you know... The gospel is offensive. Paul said that. 
The gospel can be offensive to people, but nothing else in the church should be. Amen? That's why one of the second things that we're looking at in that short term, that six months to a year, is we want to develop a welcoming team. We wanted to, not, not just people who are handing out bulletins. No, 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 no. We want to develop a welcoming team, people who are greeting people outside the door, people who are looking for people in the church who are new. I, I'm sorry, some of you, I know you, I love you, and I've talked with you, but on Sunday morning, my antenna are up, and I'm looking for new people. I met several new people already here this morning as they came in. That's who I'm looking for this morning because I want to make sure that they know that they're welcome. That's why I have you stand up and greet people. Remember names. That's huge in bringing people back to church because every person matters, don't they? If you're coming to this church, it's not because of, not because of preaching or anything. It's because God desires for you to be here. And people make a choice within three minutes of walking through the doors of the church, of whether or not they will come back to this church or not. Now, look at We don't have a lot to attract people. We, got, we, we meet in a cafeteria. But that love of Jesus, that, that trumps a lot of other things, doesn't it? And when people walk through the doors of AIC, it shouldn't just be Pastor Joel. It shouldn't be just a few of the, excuse me, a few of the under-shepherds. It should be all of us. Does that mean a little change in, in the culture of how we do things? It is. It is. Folks, we exist to bring glory to God by loving Christ and loving one another and loving the world. And as we gather, that's what we're going to be looking for. Would you like to be part of a welcoming team? Do you have the gift of gab? Some of you do. I mean, this past uh, July, when my son got married, uh, it was Big Bear, California, and we went up there, hot as a biscuit that, that, that weekend. Oh, man, it was hot. And we went there, and after he got married, uh, we went, they, they said, well, there's this place you have to try. It's a Hawaiian place. Just a hole in the wall. They didn't even have seats inside, but just a hole in the wall. And they made all kinds of these rice dishes, Hawaiian rice, outstanding. So we get up to the window, and the guy looks through the window, you know, these, one of these little windows, he goes, Aloha! And everybody else in the group, Aloha! He sticks his fist through there and gives me fist bump, and he says, Dude, am I ever excited to see you here? He says, You are in for a treat. He said, This is great food. We ordered the food, and he said, I'm going to bring this out to, you, out to you in just a minute. So we're sitting there, and I look around. He says, What are you looking for, dude? And I said, Chopsticks. He said, I'll be right back. And he brought him back. He said, how's your food? He said, doesn't it knock your socks off? And I looked at my son, who's an elder at another church, and I said, how'd you like to have two of those guys standing at the door every Sunday? And he said, yeah. Because why? Even before we had the food, we knew, oh, man, this is an amazing place. Why? Because they took an interest in us. And when people know that you care about them, when people know that you care about them, They're going to come back, and that's what we're looking at. AIC, we gather, but we gather to bring glory to God in his name. You want to be part of a welcoming team? Come and see me. We're looking for people with the gift of gab. We're looking for people who who love people and are willing to go out there because what one of the churches that I attended, they make sure you are greeted five times before you sit down in your seat. Five times. That means outside, as you come to the door, they have people standing here. And you say, well, that's a little overkill for Hong Kong. Okay, maybe not five times, but how about three? And how about somebody, when they come back the next week, you know their name. That's huge 
when you know someone's name and you can repeat back to them, hey, good morning, Lavender. Good to have you back. Hey, Mark, good to have you back. How was your week? You told me about this last week. That does a lot when they say, boy, he took the time to remember my name. We gather together. But gathering together, that can be a choke point. We can stop there. See, there's, there's three other pieces of this pie. We can stop there. We don't want you to stop there. We love the fact that you are part of AIC, but we want you to go to the next level. We want you to grow. The next level that we see there is, is with community groups. We, we grow together as disciples. I don't know about you. I'm part of a community group in Taipo. I love it. I absolutely love Maybe it's because I don't get to speak English very much throughout the week, but I love gathering together with, with, our, with our small group, with our community group. We get together, we have a meal, we laugh, we t- always got the pictures. I don't know what this is in Hong Kong. You always got to take a picture of whatever it is you're eating. Or, or it's, so we, we do that whole number. But we, we sit around God's word and we pray. And when one person has a need, in the, we've had one of our people going through some stuff, and we can be praying for that person. I love community group. I absolutely love community group. And one of the things we want to encourage you at AIC, if you are not part of a, of a community group that you become part, we have 17 community groups. Those are including our, our Filipino community groups that meet both on Saturday and on Sunday. And some of our community groups are a little large right now, and we need to make, we need to make some hard decisions about, do I hive off and take a couple of people with me? Because sometimes we're like, I don't want, I don't want, I want to do that. I mean, I like these guys. We're, we're comfortable together. Can I tell you a story about that for a second? When we were young in ministry, we were, I was maybe 20, 28, just new in ministry. We were in Redding, California. There were two alliance churches in Redding, California. One was the old established church. It was the church that if you were somebody, you went to that church. And I wanted to be somebody, so we went to that church. Becca absolutely did not like the church. Uh, it was a big church, but we wanted to, I said, we got to get to be part of a community group so that we can get to know people. So we asked, well how, well, how can we join a community group? And they said, oh, community groups, they're all full. They said, if, if you want to be part of a community group, they said, you got to form your own. It's like, hello, I don't know anybody here. That's why I want to get to know people through the community group. And I said, well... We, all of our community groups are closed right now. Wow, you can put the visitors on welcome sign out anytime. So we went to a church, the other church that was across the town. It was a brand new church. Wow, unlike any Alliance church I'd ever been part of before. And they had this, you know, they did the, the worship. It just blew my mind. And then they got up and they said, why don't you greet the people that are around you? In that greeting time, Two different people invited us to their community group that, that met during that week. That's how that church was formed. That's how the church still to this day is functioning. Is because people are, that's where they grow is in the midst of community group. As your pastor, I want to really encourage you to be part of a community group. Some of you are. Some of you are kind of hiding off there in the weeds. And you're still back at the, I, I, I'm coming on, on Sunday morning. But I'm a little leery about going that next step. Please don't. Please don't be leery about that. That's where you grow. That's where people come alongside of you. That's where people get to know you. Talking with Pastor Stan, we have a lot of people that come to the church that live over in the Laguna Verde um, development. We could have three. We could have three groups over there. 
That's how many people from the, that go to this church that live over there. We have other groups that we, that we need to hive off, and that's what we're looking at, at doing. Community groups, uh, different events that we're, we're part of as well. But we want you to go to the next step of growing. But there again, this can be a choke point. This can be a place where we stop. Okay, I'm going to church, and I'm part of a, part of a, a, a growth group, part of a community group. But we don't want you to stop there. We want you to move to the next level, and that's giving. And I say, oh, I, I knew it was coming. I knew they were going to start talking about money. This isn't what we're talking about at all. We're not talking about money. What we're talking about is the resources that God's given you. If you've prayed to receive Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, God has blessed you with a spiritual gift. A gift that he's not going to take away. A gift that he's made you a steward of. And when God gives those gifts, he expects that those gifts will be used for his kingdom. Can I ask you a tough question? You don't have to raise your hand. Are you using the gifts that God has given you so that he is glorified and so that his kingdom is built up? And I can tell you why we're going to need this in in just a minute. God is doing some amazing things in amongst our, our children and youth ministries. And we could really use some help in, in those areas. And I'm going to have Pastor Stan come up, and he's going to share for a couple of minutes about what's going on with, uh, with uh, children's, children's ministry. Well, I know that I'm part of staff here, and maybe this kind of stuff just excites me, but I'm, I'm excited with what you're sharing. Thanks. And uh, I, I just want to put this out there. You have a gift that God can use. In fact, you'll need to ask me about this later because I'm not going to tell the story. One time, I wore a T-shirt that had a message on it on the right day, and as a result, a church was planted in the city of Philadelphia. Come and ask me about that sometime. So I have a shirt on. We're going to see if it works again. I have my special children's ministry shirt on, and uh, hopefully you'll see some other people that have this on um, because God calls us to do one job as believers. One job. How are we doing? And that job is to make disciples. We're, to, we're called to make disciples. And I happen to believe, and I know that a number of you believe with me, that children can be disciples. We should not leave them out. Children need to come to know God. And children need to come to Christ. We have, I believe, even a special calling as the family of God to shepherd and lead our children to Jesus Christ before they turn older. Now, I know that many of you came to Christ as an adult, but we want our children to know, um, know Jesus Christ. And so we tried to put this into a way that children can understand. You know, disciple is kind of a big word. So we tried to break it down into some smaller words that describe what it means to be a disciple for anyone, but in a way that the children can understand. And I'm wondering if any of our children's workers, if you've been a children's worker this year, I'd like to ask you to stand because I want to tell you thank you. Would you stand if you worked with our children this year? Oh, come on, they aren't all up there now. Come on up. Okay, if you've worked with the children, fantastic. Give them a hand. (laughs) 
Thank you. You can be seated because I want I needed to know that there were some of our children's workers here because how do we describe discipleship in children's words? We want children to know God, love God, and obey God. That's what it's all about. That's what we should be doing as adults, but that's in a way that the children can understand. And so we want this to be a constant reminder. And we believe in it so much that uh, we've evaluated, we've looked at our children's ministries over the last number of months. The leadership team has worked and created a handbook that describes how we will do children's ministries um, going forward, actually beginning in September. We will be changing some of the ways that we do children's ministries. A lot of things will stay the same, but we've, we've made some handbooks, and uh, we have two versions And I have them up there, and I want to show them to you because I purposely have them up there because I want you to come and get a copy. The smaller version saves lots of trees but not many eyes. And so if you, uh, if you can read this kind, get it. They are both the same. You don't need to take both. It's just a large print version and a, sm- and a smaller print version. I want you to pick them up because if you have worked with children, all of you who stood, I want you to pick one up today. Because as I've told you in the meetings, we, one of the things that we need to do is we need to have you fill out an application now to be a children's worker because we're going to be looking into a few things, making sure that everything is, is good with our, with our workers. There's a, a colored sheet of paper in there. That is the application. It is in each, is, it is in each um, handbook. And we ask that you get that and fill that out here during the month of June so that we can have things in place during September. The earlier you do this, the better. Now, we are also inviting parents to pick up one of these so you can see how we're going to be doing children's ministries. We also invite, if you are interested in becoming a part of children's ministries, to pick one up. And if we run out of copies, we'll have more copies for you next week. But please do it. If you wait until August 31st, we're going to be in trouble starting September 1st. If you do it today, get it done in June, we can start forming the teams that will be working with the children um, beginning in September. So just wanted to say that. Another thing that I want to do is uh, this afternoon we're having a workshop for parents and children's workers. And uh, if you've signed up, great. It's up in room 214. If you haven't signed up, Great. It's up in room 214. Join us up there. Um, Olga is our speaker, and I'm going to ask her to stand. She's a, a, the representative for, for children's ministry training worldwide, and we'll pick her brain for how to share faith, uh, how a child's faith is formed. And uh, hope to see you at 2 o'clock up in room 214. Thanks, Stan. We... We gather together, we grow as disciples, we give of our resources. Here's another area where um, we want to encourage you, because one of the things we want to see done in the next six months is we want to, want to make some cosmetic changes to our, to our facility. We're going to be replacing doors. These doors didn't, haven't, haven't done well, and we're going to be replacing those doors. We want to, as well, uh, paint the nursery, uh, put some new blinds in the nursery, just make that nursery so that when a mom comes in there, we had a mom come a few weeks ago who was nursing a child, and she said, where do I go to nurse the child? Is there something that, and we had nothing. 
And those are the kind of things that we want to make sure that we have some of the things we, that you can be part of in the next six months where we want to take care of some of these cosmetic needs. You know, when I, when I think about uh, serving, when I think about serving, sometimes we say, oh, Pastor, I, I, I've done my time. I heard that. I heard that at a church in, in, in Minnesota when we talked we needed people to work in the nursery. They're like, yeah, Pastor, I did, I, did, I did my time. It's like, what do you mean you did your time? Like you went to prison? Working with youth, working in the church is not doing your time. It's not like a prison sentence. Some of you know this name. If you're from the United States, you, might, you know this name. Truett Cathy. Truett Cathy was the, was the founder of Chick-fil-A. Even as I say that, I will, what I would do for a Chick-fil-A right now, an amazing chicken sandwich. But he was, when he died, when he died, he had a net worth of $6.5 billion U.S. That's $49.5 billion Hong Kong dollars, a net worth. And for 50 years, 50 years, or the whole time that he had, had his, his business, they never opened on Sunday morning. They never opened on Sunday most of them are in malls and things like that. And they said, you're, you're, you're crazy. If you're not open on Sunday, you are losing all of those customers. And God has blessed Chick-fil-A in an amazing way, when, uh, financially. But as well, he was never open on Sundays because he wanted to go to church on Sunday. And he wanted his workers to be able to go to church on Sunday morning. And one of the things he did at church for 50 years... Up until his death, he taught Sunday school. And not just taught Sunday school to just anybody, to eighth grade boys. Fifty years of teaching Sunday school to eighth grade boys. Because he said it was easier to change a boy than it was to change a man. And he worked and instilled in these guys. And I think about commitment to something. Here's a guy, 49.5 billion Hong Kong dollars worth of net, net worth. He could have come in and said, hey, I give money to this church. Hey, I, 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 I'm 50 years. I, 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 I deserve to be able to sit down here and not do anything. Wrong. God never gave anyone the, the spiritual gift of bench warming. Not a one of you. And if you've been part of, of AIC for six months to a year, okay, now I'm going to crank it up just a little bit. There's an expectation that there's going to be involvement. Okay? unapologetically I say that because God would call us to that. He gives us the gifts to produce fruit, fruit that brings him glory. The last thing that we, that we see is that we, uh, we go, that people matter to God. Lost people matter to God and they need to be found. That's why we have a candle up here. We had a Filipino come to Christ last Sunday. A couple of Sundays ago, uh, some of you Filipinos went out and, and went out along the promenade and went and shared Christ, and two people prayed to receive Christ there. I praise the Lord for that. And I'm looking forward to the day when we begin to see the harvest of souls. I've been praying for it. God, please, bring the harvest of souls here. And I'm looking forward to that day when that begins to happen. But going, we... We take care of a lot of missionaries in this church. We're part of a denomination called the Christian and Missionary Alliance. Missions is our our middle name. I mean, it is part of our lifeblood. But in addition to supporting missions, one of the things that one of the um, goals of the under shepherds for the next several years is we not only want people to give to missions, we not only want to be a sending church, we want to be a church that sends people from our congregation out. I'm so excited for uh, for Christmas banquet coming up this year, December 1. 
is our Christmas banquet. We already have the, the, speaker line, the speakers lined up, Sit and Sina Lau. They're two of our dear friends from Cambodia. You do not want to miss this. They are an amazing couple. They have uh, what God is doing in the northwest portion of Cambodia is amazing. And one of the things they're saying is, please, please, can you send a team to help us there, there in Cambodia? And so one of my things that I'm, I'm looking to do is to say, who of a congregation, who would, who would go? And there's other areas. But what we're also looking for are young people and older people. I walk past an older couple several times a month. Down when I walk, I, get, I go by the Polytechnic, walk, you know, walk over the, 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 the skywalk there by the Polytechnic, come down the street, and there's a 759 there. And, you know, there's a whole place where all these old, old guys and old ladies sit down there. And there's a Mormon couple, a retired Mormon couple, and they're talking to every single one of those people in Cantonese. And I'm thinking, they're willing to do for a lie what many of us are not willing to do for the truth. And we need to be just as vigilant in sharing and in going and sharing the the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ because people matter. We're disciples who through the power of the Holy Spirit glorify God by loving Christ, loving others, and loving those in the world as, as well. And one of the things we're looking to be is a church that sends people out. We've already sent the Samatus out and others. We have Lavina that we work with. But we were looking and saying, who among the young people? And parents, that's a big one for, for us. Because we have designs on our children. Well, this, this, is, this is what I want my child to do. And this is what, where I want them. Releasing your children into God's hands so that if God is calling them to serve in a, in a different place, another place in the world that's not like, not like Hong Kong, that we are willing to say, God, you can have them for what it is that you desire. We gather, we grow, we give, we give, give of our resources, and we go. And there's a number of different ways that, that we can get into it, but I'm looking at five afternoon, and we need to, we need to wrap this up. But this is our vision. Are you in? Are, are you in? Let, are you willing to join up with this? You know, I see and I look around, I see so many people that I don't know. God is doing a work, and God is bringing us together for a reason. And that reason is to share Christ with a city that is very dark, and a city that desperately needs to hear about Christ. And we need to be willing to say to God, God, here am I. Here am I, send me. Amen? Amen. This morning, after... After we get done with worship, or even while the worship is going on, every communion Sunday we invite people, if you have a physical need and would like prayer, would like to be anointed with oil by the elders, Scripture talks about that. James chapter 5 says, Is anyone among you sick? Let him call upon the elders of the church and be anointed with oil. It is not the oil that heals, it is Christ who heals. We do not demand of him, but we come in obedience to what his word is called. If you would like to be prayed for this morning, maybe it's not something physical. Maybe you just say, hey, man, I am just going through the ringer right now. We've got a marriage issue, and we just need, we need wisdom, we need direction. We would invite you to come up here and be prayed for. Under shepherds and wives, I would ask you to, um, when, the, when the last song is being sung, to make your way up here. I'm going to be in the back uh, greeting people, but the under shepherds will be up here uh, to be willing to pray for you. Let me pray right now. Father, we thank you again for your word. And thank you, God, for your mandate. You told us to go. You told us to make disciples. Disciples from, from young people all the way up to older people. 
and you told us to do it unashamedly. Paul, you, the, the Apostle Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. Lord, your word is the power of God unto salvation for all who hear. And Lord, what can you do with what it is that we have? You never ask for us to do this in our own power and our own strength because you already have in mind what it is that you're going to do. And God, you've showed us, you've given us a glimpse of what it is that you desire for us to do and be as Alliance International Church. And God, that's your invitation for us to join you. And Lord, I pray that you would give us not only a spirit of love for you, but a deep spirit of love for one another. I look around the room and I see people from India, from Africa, from New Zealand, from South Africa, from, uh, from Australia, all over the world. And God, you are bringing us together as a congregation. Filipinos, Hmong people, from all over the world you're bringing us together, God, for one purpose, to reach people and to share the light of the Lord Jesus Christ. And God, I pray that you would infuse us with holy power, with your Holy Spirit's power that you would come upon us and that, God, as we go out, that there would be courage and that, God, you would put those people in our path that we can share Christ with, that, God, you would raise up the workers. You see, we need workers for the, for the children's ministry. We need workers for youth. You have gifted and enabled people specifically in that area of the church, and I pray that, God, you would raise them up and you would lay that burden on hearts. I pray that, God, we would never be content where we are but that you would put within our hearts that deep desire to grow. Lord, you brought many tears to gather, but you call us to grow as well. And Lord, you call us to give, to give of what it is that we have, to put it back into your hands, to use it for your glory. And I pray that God would do just that. Now, Lord, would you take us from here today into our mission field, and would you use us powerfully for the glory of Jesus' holy name, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. May the grace and peace of the Lord Jesus Christ go with you. May he make his face to shine upon you. May you know the love and the mercy and the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ in whatever it is and wherever, wherever it is that you are this week. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Amen. Have a great week.